Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Healthy Perspectives podcast. Thanks for joining us for today's journey, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me. Over the next few weeks, uh, I haven't exactly decided how many yet, but I'm going to be putting together a series I'm going to call I Believe. Uh, As I'm getting feedback from folks, one of the things that I'm hearing a little bit more often these days is, what's your opinion? As a therapist, what do you think about certain things? I'm going to start off this particular podcast with, I believe there is a thing that is right. There's, there's a, there's such a thing as being right or being wrong. Uh, I'll preface with, I think there's multiple ways to be right and some are more right than others, but that doesn't make them wrong. And there are multiple ways of being wrong, but some are more wrong than others. Now, this is going to be a little bit harder. I'm going to get a little bit theoretical today. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to highlight a few things. So when we look at right and wrong, typically what we're addressing is ethics. And so I started with a little bit of research on you know, just to freshen up. On ethics, obviously, I know as a therapist, one of the things I do is I uh, I look at things um, like the American Counseling Association Code of Ethics or the Psychological uh, Code of Ethics, um, the APA, uh, the ACA. That's what they're abbreviated as. But I'm going to go a little deeper behind that. Where does where does the ACA or the APA get their code, how do they determine what goes inside their framework? And it comes to a few things. Um, some of these things that will, you'll, you'll notice that definitely are present in things like the APA or the ACA. And some of them are, they seem to be at least purposely ignored. And I'm, I'm not exactly sure, you know, I can hypothesize as to why, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to get to one of those that is definitely appears to be silent in both of those. Um, but not just those, in other codes of ethics that you see out there. Uh, and so let's get started. Virtue theory. Virtue theory the summary, and this is a, probably an oversimplification. If you study the theory, uh, you know, we can get into all kinds of you know, different discussion points. But the gist of it is it's about how to be, not about how to do. So it's not so much about behaviors as it is about the heart and intent. Well, obviously, <laughs> their big challenge there is you have one person who is a liar and all of a sudden virtue theory becomes extremely difficult, right? How do we know when they're lying versus when they're telling the truth? The next one, utilitarianism, it's the opposite of that. It's completely outcome oriented, which means it's all about the doing, 
What did the doing create? That outcome that is created is, is the most significant portion. Now, the challenge with that one is clearly it can justify evil, right? Yeah, uh, well, uh, I may have killed five million people, but what did I prevent? I prevented the loss of five million and one people if the course had gone this other direction. And so it can justify evil and it's, there's always going to be the hypothesis behind it of I'm justifying the evil based on what I presume would likely happen. And that assumption is, you know, if you don't get it right, you lose a lot of lives and it's, it, you know, it's a problem. Another one, there's a third one here I'm going to give you, deontological, which means it's based on universal laws and it's rule-based. So an example that I gave earlier of the American Counseling Association or the uh, American Psychological Association, uh, you know, they, they create this framework to try to put structure or rules around what they would consider to be potentially universal laws. So they're basically saying, we believe there is right and wrong. And they're the ones that oversee therapists. Like if a therapist were to make a mistake, they convene a board, uh, an ethics board, and they say, oh, well, this is what we think they should have known and should have done. And, and therefore they are incorrect. Or um, it looks like they followed this and this and this. And so therefore they are correct. And so they're trying to create a framework to guide the ethics or the rules or say this is right because. And again, it's a form of justification. Now, those three theories that underline whether there is right or wrong and how to determine right from wrong are prevalent in just about you know, every ethical board, but you, if you look at somebody's individual life, you'll also see some of those things. Well, they did this because, uh, well, you stick your hand on a, on a, a hot stove. You only do it once. Why? Because the rule is if you put your hand on a hot stove, it's going to burn you. The rule creates the obligatory following of don't put your hand on the hot stove. Okay. Or, you know, this person, they, they did something wrong, but it wasn't as wrong as it could have been. Therefore, we're only going to sentence them to this shorter period of time, right? It's the, the, the evil was not, there was something justified in it. I'll give you a, a really current and good example of something like that. You're going to see utilitarianism in what happened at the, uh, I think it was the Emmys or something. I've, I heard about it this morning the, the, with Will Smith and his wife and how Will Smith went on the stage and slapped somebody or something like that. I Honestly, I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. But utilitarianism, there's going to be people who justify both sides. And is, is it right or is it wrong? Is it right to defend your wife or is it wrong to defend your wife? Was it in good 
was it was it in good faith that the comedian said what he said, or was he trying to be harmful? Right? You can see these the virtue theory, the utilitarianism, and and then the rules. What do the rules say has to be done? Well, if the comedian decides that he is going to press charges, then the rules say it has to be investigated. And then the outcome of the investigation, the investigation would determine if a rule deontological was broken. Okay. So you see those three things playing out in, in activities on a daily basis. Here's something that I want my audience to also consider because it's completely ignored in so many different areas of life. And it shouldn't be, in my opinion, because right and wrong, I believe, has an origination, a beginning. And it wasn't in early philosophy, although you do see it in early philosophy. And there's a theory, it's called divine command, that God decides if it's right or wrong. And we either obey or don't, making us right or wrong. Now, the problem with this is it requires people to think of their spirituality. Now, that is, in our culture right now, With the humanistic perspective, the idea that you can't tell me what I'm supposed to believe. I can believe and be whatever I want to be. This pokes really hard at that. And so how do we reconcile the two? Well, there is another theory that sort of stemmed out of the divine command, and that is the natural law theory. That everything has a purpose. And I would propose that there's, there's a lot of good things about all of these theories. And there's a lot of challenges with all of these theories because you'll, you'll, you'll see, I'll get into the natural law thing in a second. I'm going to, I'm going to regress a tiny bit and go back to the divine command. The problem with that is that some people will again lie. And as a result of their lies, say, well, God wanted me to do this. Of course, that blemishes anybody else who would use the line of, God spoke this into my life. Because now the question is, is that believable? And then people wonder, is God real? And you know, you end up with all those question marks. So moving forward, to the natural law, if everything has a purpose, your table that's in front of you or the steering wheel if you're listening in the car, if people have a purpose and they live outside the realm of their purpose, then they are wrong. So if that table is not being used for its natural intent, then it's wrong. One of the challenges with that, and almost any artist would probably acknowledge this, when you take, say, something like a table 
and you reconfigure it, you essentially remodel it or remake it, make it into something new, then it takes on a new purpose. And does that mean the artist did something wrong? If the artist is supposed to use everything just like you and I would use them for its intended purpose. Now, the other argument to that might be, well, to the artist, that is its intended purpose because they're an artist and they are about reshaping, looking at things differently. So you could argue that point. But ultimately, the biggest challenge with natural law is that it is all about nature. It doesn't leave space for supernatural, for things like miracles. How do we look at a miracle? Some people might say that we, we can only understand a miracle once we understand what caused the miracle. Okay. That's fine. I, I, I get the argument. The hard part there is what if we don't ever end up with a way to explain it? Does that mean it was natural? Or does that mean it was supernatural? And that's one of the challenges with natural law. It doesn't allow us that space sometimes to say, you know what, that was supernatural. And that would push back toward that divine command. Like there's maybe there's something greater than uh, just what the natural world would suggest. Okay. All right. I've outlined a few theories. Now I'm going to explain to you why I, I believe, strongly believe that there is such a thing as right. All I'm going to do is flip the coin. The opposite of knowing there is right and wrong would be like the theory of relativity, which is super passive. It's just saying, I'm going to accept what is as it is, which in theory is nice, right? The idea of just being able to accept what is in front of you. But it's lazy. And I, that part doesn't work for me. It's lazy in that it, it, it requires us to do no thinking and that we are all just flowing through with no intent of, or purpose of any kind. Nor the need to seek purpose or intent. And that doesn't fit with anything that I've seen as a therapist. People who flow through without purpose and intent that come my direction often flow out of therapy because they don't want something more. They want that passive, uh, you know, not, not, they don't want the challenges in their life, but they don't want to work through the challenges in their life. They just want them to magically disappear as if they magically appeared. And that part doesn't, flow for me. The other theory would be absolute acceptance. Um, those two, obviously, they go hand in hand. You'll see that in, in a lot of things. 
But the idea that everything goes, it's dysfunctional uh, in every way you can imagine. It's dysfunctional. Not everything goes. Uh, you know, if, if you hurt somebody, you can't just say, well, they were there and in the way and justify it away. We know inherently, I believe, that there's something wrong if you have complete disregard for another human life. An example of that is when we look at those who cannot defend themselves. The natural tendency, if you're looking at natural law, if you're looking at divine command, deontological, utilitarianism, virtual theory, virtue theory, if you're looking at any of those things, what you see is this tendency to protect anybody who cannot protect themselves. If that's the case, then we know there has to be a right and a wrong. Because if the weakest require protection, that's one of those potential universal things that says we have to do the right thing for those who cannot do the right thing for themselves. By the way, you'll see that all over the place in the ACA or APA Code of Ethics. Anybody who cannot protect themselves. You also see it when you talk about um, any therapist who does informed consent. They should talk to you about uh, protecting those who can't because it's a limit to confidentiality. Why is it a limit to confidentiality? Because they can't protect themselves. And we believe that the right thing to do is to protect those who cannot protect themselves. If there is a right and wrong, as a therapist, I can tell you how I manage it. And I believe there is a right and wrong. How I manage it, I do these things. Autonomy. You have the right to choose your path. The only exceptions to that would be if you are hurting yourself or other people. And then we have the right to engage in a way that allows us to evaluate it more carefully, maybe with more eyes. Uh, I'll give you an ex- the, the, the most extreme examples is if we involuntarily hospitalize somebody. That takes away autonomy. And so we don't, we don't like to do that. It's something that it goes against what we want to do, or at least I can speak for myself. I don't ever want to do that. I don't like hospitalizing people. Uh, I think it's, it, you know, it's one of the hardest uh, decision points um, in the therapeutic process because it takes away autonomy. Now, autonomy sometimes we again coming back to justifying, but I'm going to go ahead and lay this out. If somebody is going to, here's, here's how I'll explain the decision process for me. I did some research. Uh, it came up in grad, grad school somewhere. I don't even remember where, um, but somewhere in that, that part of my experience, the idea of people jumping off of, uh, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge. It's like the, the most commonly jumped off of bridge in the United States. Uh, or at least it was at the time. And almost 100% of the people 
who were interviewed after jumping and living, which is not common. It's very unusual that somebody would jump and live. Is they would describe the very moment after they stepped off, jumped off, whatever it is, that moment of like, oh no, I don't know that I really wanted to do that. And it was pretty close to universal. There are very few exceptions to that. And that's significant because what we end up with is that decision-making in the moment may not be what we would decide if we're looking at the big picture. And that, to me, is one of those very few times where autonomy has to be put in a, a, a place, a, a specific location of autonomy is great until you're a high risk to yourself or to others. And the same would be true in, in the heat of the moment, uh, again, using a current example from, you know, over the weekend. You know, the, you know, the Will Smith had the autonomy to go on that stage and do what he did. The autonomy doesn't justify necessarily the right. Did he have the right to do that? Well, maybe, maybe not. We'd have to look at the whole thing in the big picture. So autonomy is one aspect. Non-maleficence is to do no harm. It's always my goal not to make things worse. That's hard to do sometimes, but most of the time it's not. Most of the time it's pretty easy to see like, oh, if I do this, I could make it worse. And that means I will only do these riskier things if I'm attempting to do good. And that attempt to do good should be clearly evidenced by what's going on in the situation. So autonomy, non-maleficence, and then beneficence. Doing no harm is not good enough. We have to be working to do good. I don't want to be just neutral. Remember, right and wrong, that means there's going to be a neutral. There's going to be something right in between. And if we just stay neutral, we actually do nothing. It's passive. It's, it's like absolute acceptance. That's not good enough. We have to be attempting to do good. Beneficence. So we got autonomy, non-maleficence, beneficence, justice. Whew, there's a word that'll trigger some of the people. Justice is the act of uh, doing what is fair. It is not equal. You have probably heard this in another podcast that I did. Equal and fair are very, very different. If person A comes in and they have the exact same story as person B, except one is incapable of understanding what they did and the other one is perfectly capable of understanding what they did. I cannot treat them exactly the same. I can't do it. One's not capable of understanding their behavior. And the other one is. The one who is in that situation, fortunately or unfortunately, should be treated differently than the one who is incapable. Okay? The next one, fidelity, faithful. 
you know, in this world, uh, faithfulness, <laughs> that's a tough topic too. The idea as a clinician, as a therapist, as somebody who does clinical work with people, faithfulness means I am faithful to my client. What does it mean to be faithful to my client? It means I'm going to be trying to set them up for their greatest version of success, what they view as success. Okay, so what happens when that interferes with my faithfulness to, say, I don't know, the law? So, for example, a person comes in and they they say something extreme like, I want to be the best um at self-harming that anybody has ever been. Uh, ooh, ouch. Well, you want to be the best, you're risking, you're risking harming not just yourself, but other people, right? Because if you want to be the best, that means you're probably going to have to put yourself out there. So we walk down that path a little ways and we discover that, oh, in fact, you are publishing uh, you know, something, you know, about your self-harm on a daily basis on social media, potentially encouraging others to do the same. Hmm. Where do I fall in that? Well, I would then have to fall in the camp of why do you want to be the best at this? What are you going to get out of this? And what if people die because of you? Do you still want to be the best? What does that say about you as a person? Do you want people to die because of you? Now, if the answers to those things are, you know, I don't want other people to be hurt because of what I'm doing, but I still want to be the best at it. Okay, then how do you limit the amount of hurt to other people? Or yourself in that situation. Obviously, that's a tough situation. But my loyalty is to them doing their growth, their healing. Now, as long as they're not doing anything illegal, you know, there's, there's nothing... There's unfortunately, in some cases, uh, not in, you know, in something like this, it would be tough. But there's not anything to act on other than I got to try to do good for them and for the people that they might influence. Faithfulness is a tough one, though, but it's important. It's very important. They have to know I believe in them and that I want what's best for them because I truly do. And because... That is the right thing. It is right for people to have people on their side. Uh, not when they're doing the wrong things, but to believe in them to self-correct and get back on the right track. And the right track as they would see it. They don't want to hurt other people, then we go down that path. If they do, we got a different conversation. So I went over autonomy, non-maleficence, beneficence, justice, fidelity. And the last one is veracity. This to me is the piece that ties all of it together. Veracity means truthfulness. In everything I do as a therapist, I try to be truthful. Everything. Matter of fact, for me, it's not just as a therapist. It's just as a human being, as a person interacting in this world with other people. I try to be truthful in all my interactions and honest in all of my dealings. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, I'm gonna, this is probably going to sound like I'm tooting my own horn a tiny bit, but I'm not. I, I just recently sent a book. 
I had promised that I would send it in a certain amount of time because that's, you know, that's the deal. And uh, I went to the post office and it literally had closed five minutes before that. So unfortunately, I have uh, the, 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 the challenge. I could go to the UPS store and send it a different method or the same method, but through a different, you know, group and get it out that day that I had agreed to. Or I could wait till, you know, two days later, because it was a Saturday, and try to send it out and just hope that they were going to forgive me. But I told them it would be out on a certain day. So veracity is, you know, I said it would be out on this day. It's going to cost me a few bucks more. But you know what? I'm going to do the right thing. And the right thing in this situation is I'm going to honor my truth. If I spoke it, I'm going to do everything I can to live it. And if I have to change it, then I got to go back and own what I had said as a mistake. That's very interesting because we see that less and less and less these days. When people change their mind, I really generally don't have a problem with it. As a therapist, I see it all the time. People come in and they have this certain notion, a certain idea, and they realize, wow, that was not the greatest idea in the world. And so what do they do? They change their mind. That's not a problem. But that does mean that everything before that, that you were living in a different way, is still part of your story. And if you have to clean something up and own what you did incorrect, go back and own it. Does that make sense? I hope so. Because I went over a lot of stuff. I went over some ethical theory. I went over some, what is the opposite of some of those ethical theories? The idea of passivity and neutrality and the dangers in that. Okay. What my hope is, is that you're thinking about right and wrong. You have a few theories that you can go look up if you desire. I hope that you do. I mean, I I love it when people go and do their own uh, research. I think it's good for people. Uh, Just in case I took something out of context by accident. Uh, I say by accident because I wouldn't do it on purpose. Although I know there are people out there who might. And that what you're going to come away with is a better understanding of how to determine what is right and wrong. And it's all because... I believe this at the end of the day. Not only is there right and wrong, but there is area for growth and transformation. And if there is growth and transformation, we can get better at determining what is right and what is wrong. Thank you so much for joining me and have a great day.